podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello everyone, Kitro here. Um, we thought we'd get you in the mood for the All-Basque Copa del Rey final by sharing some clips from our TSFP Presents conversations about Basque football over at patreon.com forward slash TSFP, our Patreon page, where we do daily football content uh, relating to uh, Spain. First, you'll hear us talking about the Basque country and its enduring influence on La Liga. Then the spell in the 1980s when Athletic and La Real dominated Spanish football. And finally, discussing a title-deciding Basque derby from 1984. For the full episodes and access to our entire archive plus daily Spanish football content, join us as a patron or whatever. It's up to you. There are reasons for this, um, kind of socio-economic reasons. Obviously, one of them is that at the time of the foundation of, um, of, of the, the, the foundation not just of the league but of football in Spain we're talking about a very rich region of, of heavy industry we're talking about a region therefore that has a connection with um, British entrepreneurs British industry um, which of course is, is the origins of football in Spain starting with Recreativa Huelva all the way down in the, in the, in the southwestern corner um, you see that of course in the name Athletic Club of Bilbao you, you see it in the, in the influence there's a very clear sense I think when you certainly when you talk to Spaniards and we sometimes might feel that they exaggerate it, but there's something in it. That idea that the Basque country is kind of the British bit of Spain in well, terms of the way they play, the way they approach football, the way, the way they, the way they kind of enjoy seeing it played as well. It's much more kind of up and at them, isn't it? We've seen that British influence, of course, right the way through the the, the, his, the footballing history of the of the region from some of the the legendary managers of Athletic, uh, what's his name, uh, Pentland, for example. Yep. There've been a couple of well, right through to the the days of you know Chris Coleman and David Moyes. Over at, uh, at Real Sociedad, yeah, Howard Kendall, of course, at Athletic Bilbao as well, um, and, and there is a, there was a sense of, of the Basque country possibly continuing to look towards Britain beyond the point at which some of the others did, um, beyond the point at which at which other clubs had, had kind of started to look elsewhere. For their of course, uh, Athletic got their red and white stripes from Southampton yep. as well. My uh, my auntie Myra's granddad was manager of Athletic Bilbao in the twenties. Was he? Yeah, this is brilliant. William, I hope, I hope William you've got Barnes. An archive box at home somewhere that we can go through and uh, find stuff. In. I don't, but I think she was she was trying to get like a, uh, a few, some tickets to go and see them. But yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, he was uh, he went over there in the twenties, and uh, yeah. So th- there has been fantastic. there has been that British um, British influence in in the in the north of Spain. Let's let's try and um, uh, go through each province a little bit because uh, there's a lot for us to get through as I said there are three provinces uh, Vizcaya and Gipuzkoa and Alava starting in Vizcaya which is the home to Biscay uh, basically to, to kind of transliterate the of to yes. transliterate the, the, the name of the of the province so it's Biscay. Athletic Club uh, is the big club there and Bilbao obviously is the big city Athletic eight times champions of Spain the last time in 1984 23 times winner of the Copa del Rey the last time also in 1984 and a couple of times they've won the Spanish Super Cup the last time in, in 2015 never been relegated of course and they're very very proud of that uh, with Real Madrid and Barcelona the only sides who have never dropped out of the top flight and I suppose if we're talking about Spanish football and, and uh, things that make clubs unique we have to recognise that Athletic are a unique Sporting entity, not only yes, in terms of football, yeah. but in terms of you know high-level sport across the world, they believe that they stand for something, and those beliefs have been prioritised over financial gain. What we're talking about, obviously, is their selection policy. Only players who are 
Basque can play for Athletic Bilbao in, in recent years that has been relaxed somewhat with well it's, it's elasticated isn't elasticated, it in, in, the, yes. in the what they because there isn't actually a written policy and one of, this is one of the difficulties when you talk about Athletic Bilbao's Basconi policy there isn't a, there isn't a, a written policy there is the idea is that what they always say is we're a club de la cantera we're a club of, of, of the youth system so what we talk about is we will play people who are formed as footballers in the Basque country in other words if you're playing for a club that has that's part of the convenio the, the, the agreement with Athletic Bilbao then you're then you're eligible, which is what happened with Laporte, for example, who's French. You, they also they, just uh, signed a Romanian. Yeah, who, and, the, and the idea that you can bring people in with, with Basque origins or yeah. you can, people who come to the Basque country as immigrants and therefore grow up in the Basque country but haven't been brought to the Basque country in order to play mm. are also eligible. Obviously, all of this, I suppose, in a way, is, the simplest way of doing it is to look at it as a Basque national team mm. and say these are the criteria that the national teams apply, but with one very, very clear difference. You don't have a passport with which to validate people's um, suitability or, or basqueness. Their basqueness, yes, basically. Yeah. Um, obviously, this provokes all sorts of questions about about you know, which bits of Basque identity have to be embraced and which bits don't, and so on. And, and, and there's a debate there. But one thing that's not up for debate is that this policy gets maintained, even if it is becomes elasticised, even if even if there are there is a debate about how you apply it. Even um, if Athletic were to get relegated, I remember there was a survey of fans in, a few say, years ago. They they, they prefer this. We we'd, rather, we'd rather get relegated than change this policy. Well, there's something nice about being unique, isn't there? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it does feel in a way like something from a bygone age. This is what all football clubs used to be like yeah. once. Well, and, and, and are no longer. Obviously, Real Sociedad fans will tell you, and their, their reading of this will be very different. That that they're about Abandonment of a abandonment of a Basque policy was was based on the idea that they could not compete with Athletic Bilbao because Athletic Bilbao do have a, a huge amount of financial muscle within the Basque country, so they can theoretically go and get the best kids at an early age, pick up the best kids from other clubs at medium age, and then at first team level can sign the best players, as we saw recently with Inigo Martinez. Um, so, that, so it's you know there, there is still a there's still an economic component to this and there is a sense that the competition within the Basque country obviously from Real Sociedad fans would say it's not always necessarily clear cut of course the first non-Basque player that Real Sociedad had in, in the modern era was a certain John Aldridge about a really, really interesting period of Spanish football and indeed Spanish history. And we're not talking about one, but two classic teams. It's the period at the start of the 1980s when Spanish football was dominated by the Basque teams. Real Sociedad champions in 1981 and 1982, only to then see Athletic Bilbao win the league title in 1983 and 1984. So we had four consecutive Basque champions. We've never seen a region dominate Spanish football like this as Basque country did at the start of the 1980s. Obviously, I was looking back and in the 1960s, only Real Madrid and Atletico Madrid won the league title. So apart from that, apart from that, you've never seen Andalusia with a lot more population than, than the Basque country or Valencia or even Catalonia or Galicia. None of these regions have ever dominated La Liga as the Basque country did at the start of the 1980s. We're obviously going to talk about the teams, some of the players involved, some of the iconic managers involved as well. But almost as important as this, or as interesting, is the political and social context 
of what was happening in Spain at the 1980s, at the start of the 1980s. It was a, a, a rather wild time, I think you can say, in all, in all aspects. Anyway, we'll get to that in, in a moment, but let, let, let's start talking about, about the football and about Real Sociedad winning their first ever league title in 1981. Obviously, Athletic Bilbao had previously won league titles. I think they'd They'd won <coughs> six before winning it in 1983. Real yeah. Sociedad had never won a league title. They won it in 1981. They won it in 1982. And they've never, they've never won it since. They came relatively close in 2002, but they've they've never done so since. Yeah, and and as you say, I mean, part of the the the, the kind of the significance of this begins with the beginning of Spanish football. That the Basque uh, clubs, in particular, Athletic Club Bilbao, obviously were 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 kind of, if you like, the, the heart of the of of the genesis of, of football in Spain, the Athletic Club were the strongest side in those first 15, 20, 30 years, then obviously post-Civil War. Why were they the strongest team? Essentially because... You they were founded by Brits. Well, yes, there is that. And, and actually, that British element, and I'm sure this will kind of be, be, be sort of implicit in the background in a lot of what we say, that British element is very much there. And I think it's, it's, it's very explicitly there with Athletic Club, but I think it's, it's kind of implicitly there a little bit, even with Real Sociedad, just in, in terms of the way that the Basque country expresses its football, the way that it lives its football. I think while this might sound banal and, and daft, I think there is something in the fact that it's climatological as well. I mean, I genuinely think that plays a, a part in this. This is a part of the country that's that's cold and wet a lot of the time. Um, and I think that the, the footballing culture is, is partly born of that. I mean, for example, watching some of the footage of these two league titles, you know, the pitches are something else. Admittedly, in, in, in one of Real Sociedad's league title wins, it's actually one in Gijón, which is another place where it's cold and wet. Um, but it's it, there's, there's definitely something in that. And, and obviously, Athletic also... I mean, this is one of the other things that gets forgotten over time. Athletic are the founders, effectively the founders of Atletico Madrid. You know, this is this is a kind of a, a branch. These are Athletic Bilbao fans in Madrid who who found um, Atletico Madrid, and and they're the teams that well, Athletic Bilbao are that that dominate the start of Spanish football. But then, post Civil War and, and certainly post Second World War, that's kind of it. That's kind of it until this era. Um, it's sort of almost worth taking this to December 1976, isn't it? When, when in the in the Bas Derby you get mm. uh, Ignacio Cotarrabia and, and, and José Ángel Iriba, the two the two captains of Real Sociedad and Athletic Bilbao, going onto the pitch together carrying the Basque flag. That's maybe the most iconic image Without in doubt. the history of, of Basque football. Of course, that was a year after Franco died. The Basque flag at that time was still illegal, mm. technically. Even getting hold of one of those flags wasn't necessarily easy because it had to be done on the quiet. And the fact that they carried out onto the pitch apparently there were quite a lot of nerves around the decision to do that because no one knew like I say it was illegal no one knew how the how the police were going to react what the reaction was was going to be but like I say what an iconic image yeah and part of that process I mean this is you know a demonstration again and we said this a million times that that politics and football don't mix is the is the old cliche but it's it's just not true they do mix They're, they're 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 very very entwined the connection for example between particularly between athletic and the PMV the 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 Basque National Party is is very very close um and this is you know, this is kind of played out a little bit in these four league titles because of the fact that, all right, they're not the first four league titles after Franco dies, but they are the first four league titles as, as things start to fall in place. So Franco dies in 76, as you say, the flag's taken on the pitch, in, sorry, in 75, the flag's taken onto the pitch in 76, the constitution's written in 78, the, there, there are elections, but it, it doesn't really feel like we shift into a kind of a, a consolidated 
democratic era until the PSOE win the elections in 82. So this is all... And then, of course, you get, as we talked about, in the last um, classic teams with the, with the Quinta Buitre, you then get that kind of explosion of, of kind of hedonism, if you like, in Madrid in the 80s, which which gets played out through that Movida Marileña. And this is kind of part of that process of people refinding themselves. Hmm. And then also, it must be said as well, believing that this somehow will be a permanent shift and it turns out not to be. Fourth of uh, April, nineteen eighty-four. The uh, the two coaches, uh, by the way, Javier Clemente of uh, Athletic Club, who's um, who's pretty young going into this game. I think he's only thirty-four. He took over Athletic in nineteen eighty-one, aged just thirty-one, against uh, Alberto Ormachea, who was a uh, former La Real player, of course, legendary uh, La Real player, and uh, he'd been uh, coaching uh, La Real for for a number of years uh, as well. Um, we know quite a bit about Javier Clemente. I think we've spoken about him on previous pods as well. We haven't mentioned too much uh, Alberto Ormachea, Sid. No, we haven't. But this is, again, these two men. I mean, uh, it feels like, obviously, at the risk of going back over this again and again, but I, th- I think it's worthwhile because I think it expresses how big this rivalry is. These two men, in a way, express exactly what Basque football is about. That, As you say, former Real Sociedad player, a former Athletic Bilbao player, albeit one who had injuries. People who have kind of grown up through the club. You know, that you look at the names of people there. For example, in the youth system, running the B team at Athletic Bilbao is Manet. Running the um, running Lethama at Athletic Bilbao's youth system is um, is Iñaki Saif, who later becomes the manager, becomes the Spain manager. And then, yes, you take it to Real Sociedad and you go, you've got a former, you've got a former player place in there. A player who, who has been at the club for a long time, who then comes back through, if doesn't just go straight into management, comes back through the system, if you sort of mean. So this this whole idea of, um, I suppose cultivation is the word, isn't it, maybe, of, of, of kind of cultivating and, and growing and building um, entire structures based on people who are connected to the club. It's It, it, it really does, because, you know, I mean, everybody knows that Athletic Bilbao are a club with a kind of a very strong, powerful identity. But it's worth pointing out that Real Sociedad are, are very much the same thing. In fact, I found a quote, and this is Clemente talking about Athletic, but also talking about Real Sociedad as well. And it really fits with what you're talking about. It says, we are a different type of people. We have mm. a different way of life and an, an unusual, the word he uses is peculiar, but that doesn't really mean peculiar in Spanish, peculiar. We have a kind mm. of a specific, our own kind of idiosyncratic way of understanding life which is expressed in the way we play football. And you watch these two teams, mm-hmm. and it's true. Um, I was just wondering, did you, do you think that there was some... Obviously, La Real, they did have something on the line to play for. They, they had to uh, get a point to try and get into the UEFA Cup when the UEFA Cup was a big deal. But do you think there was a part of them that was thinking, oh, you know what, let's... Basque solidarity, we'd rather Athletic won it than, than anyone else. Well, this is a different derby, isn't it? We've talked about the character of this derby before being kind of friendlier. There is a rivalry there, but also, as you say, there is an attitude of that well, we are all Basques. So what do you reckon, Sid? Would L'Ariel rather deny Athletic the title if it means Madrid or Barca winning it? Or would they kind of prefer it if the title stayed in the Basque country? It is a curious rivalry like that. And I think I think it's a rivalry that, that, that has to be hung not just on their own particular sense of brotherhood and, and, and kind of Basque community, but also on who the other team involved is. And as you've just set it, set this question up beautifully, which is, would they have rather that or Real Madrid win the league. And that's the key here. It's not just about whether or not you're taking the league off Athletic Bilbao. It's that the alternative is Real Madrid taking the league. 
And as a symbol, whether fairly or unfairly, of, of kind of Spanish centralism, a sense of money, uh, of economic power and all that sort of stuff, then that, I think, is the key. It's not just that Real Sociedad wouldn't mind Athletic Bilbao winning the league. It's they would certainly prefer that to Real Madrid winning it. Uh, a little bit of context here for you. So, so as we said, this is, um, this is two Real Sociedad titles in a row, followed by two Athletic titles in a row. Um, when, when Real Sociedad had beaten Barcelona to win the league, there were chants. Um, I, I can't remember if this was the first of the two years or the second. There were chants then of Athletic's name. And there were athletic fans who kind of, I wouldn't go so far as to say celebrated it, but there was a sense that this is what, this is what they, they wanted mm. to happen. They'd wanted Real Sociedad to win the league. In particular, bear in mind that Real Sociedad, again, and it's a similar situation to this game, had won the league ahead of mm. Real Madrid. So it's about, you know, it's one of our Basque brothers, if you like, but yes. it's also not Real Madrid. And here's the, here's the El Pais match report in 1983. So in other words, when, when Athletic win the first of two titles. And the match report reads, Real Sociedad last night handed over to their big brother, Athletic, the title of champion, showing yet again that millions of millions of pesetas are not everything. And so there is a sense that they're kind of in it together, even if they don't really want the other to win the league, if you see what I mean. Podcast Network.